I never, I never thought about um, that, uh, that biography of a resume of mine. It says that I got religion at the University of Georgia, then I had to go do biblical studies in another place. I just, <laughs> I just, I just thought about that. I said, my goodness, how did, where, where on the University of Georgia campus did I find religion? Did I find it at the stadium? I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> Indeed, it's a pleasure to be here, Mount Horat, with you and, uh, and to share in this time of worship. And I know that your pastor, Jeff Kersey, is away and sharing in a time of respite, and as we all need time to, to get away and to be energized and, and to be empowered and to have our lives filled again and to come back and to, to give leadership. And so uh, I'm grateful to him for this opportunity and for the staff uh, that have uh, greeted my wife and myself here. We're grateful uh, for all that uh, we have experienced uh, this morning. And it's always good to see uh, our superintendent, Kathy Jamison. She's, a, she's one of the hardest working people in this conference, and I'm grateful. She's already been at several services this morning before she got here, and, so, and she probably has a number to go to later today. But uh, I'm just so grateful to see her and, and to see you and to know that God is blessing us uh, to be a blessing. So, indeed, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, and I know that uh, some of us are a little tired because we stayed up late looking at ball games last night. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, and that's about as far as I'm going to go with that, that line. And, and, but, but to know that uh, God has allowed us to be in this place and to come and to worship. When we walk through those doors, we bring who we are. We bring all of ourselves, we bring our, our good stuff, our in-between stuff, our bad stuff, our hoping to be better stuff. When we walk through those doors, we bring everything that God has given to us and sometimes the burdens that we bear. A seeking that when we sit in these pews and come to this altar and we sing and pray and interact together, that God will speak to us that God would empower us and that we'll find the deep places and fissures in our own lives and that he will bring us back together, put those broken pieces together that when we leave this place that we are better for having been here and to, so that we may go out and live our lives more fully. So I would like to let you know that even though you may come in whatever fashion that you may, may be today, failure is not an option for Christ. Simply. Failure is not an option. That means that faithfulness and, and success is what God is calling for us to live. He's calling for compassion and love and grace to be a part of our everyday lives. Failure is simply not an option. He will not allow us to fail. He will not allow us to find ourselves in a place of, of where we will not be where he needs for us to be. We may stumble and fall, but he will be there to pick us up when we least expect to be picked up. And so when we walk through these doors, when we come to this place and we come to worship, we should be leaving this place better than where we came. We should be empowered and inspired and grateful for God for what he's going to do through Jesus Christ for us even yet today. So I'm going to declare even yet for this moment that if you come with a burden, just leave it. No, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to take it with them. Just leave it. <laughs> Uh, if, you, if you come with a, with a problem that you think can be, be, can be answered, leave the problem here. Nobody's going to pick it up and take it home with them. They're going to leave it here. You leave it because you should be better for having been here. And I want to declare to you that today failure is simply not an option with Christ. 
that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So my friends, I just want to say simply to you that throughout our lives, we come faced with our limitations, do we not? I mean, we are always faced with limitations. I just recently come to the Dalton. I tell you what, I was sized and sorted, weighed and measured, compared and contrasted. I felt like I didn't know what that man was going to do to me. But it's interesting that once someone starts looking at you, you don't see the good. You begin to look at your imperfections. I mean, have someone ever walked up to you and you, you thought that you've been through the mirror and you've, you've dressed to the nines and all of a sudden someone wants to adjust your tie or, or they, they think you got something on your suit and all of a sudden you begin to look all around you thinking, my goodness, did I not uh, do something right today? Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, did I put my hair on or something? What happened? Sometimes when we think about our life, we start looking at ourselves, not from what God has already given us, not for what we have been empowered, not for what we have been inspired. We start looking and saying to ourselves, well, I'm not tall enough. I'm not, I'm not slender enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. We start looking at our limitations, our, our lack of capacity. We start looking at our inabilities, our weaknesses. And, and I'll tell you, crisis is telling you, don't look at that. Because there's power in the midst of you. In this passage, the disciples, these disciples that Jesus has called, these people of faith, these followers who have been hearing and listening and experiencing all the power and grace that Jesus has shared with others, these disciples had come to face with their limitations. They have been hanging out with this group of people, this crowd on, this, on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and they had had a wonderful time hearing the word that Jesus is sharing, words of compassion and grace and love and hope and power. They have been hearing all these words that, em, that embrace people from all walks of life and all special places of life, regardless of your, their economic status, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they're from, regardless of where they're going. He had been speaking a word of hope and empower to them and yet in the midst of all of this the disciples were not hearing them they were thinking about what else have you ever been thinking about what to do have you ever been in a place where you could not just relax and enjoy yourself because you're thinking about what else it is to do well, you have lacking. Sometimes you can't even come to a place and eat at a restaurant because you're thinking by the time you get your meal, you're thinking about what I have to do later. Sometimes that what to do thing gets in our way of being able to hear what God, and it limits our vision. It limits God's purpose in the midst of our lives. If you could just sit down and just enjoy the moment and stop thinking about what else it is to do, I'm telling you that whatever else it needs to do will be there to be done. It's not going anywhere. Because if it's for you to do, somebody else is going to let you do it. I know it. I cleaned up the commodes in our house. Somebody's got to do it. That's not going to be anybody else who wants to do it. It's going to be waiting there for me to do. I guarantee you. That sometimes we can't enjoy who we are in the midst of life. We can't even enjoy our own lives. We can't even enjoy vacations. Have you ever been on a vacation and been so tired that you had to go home to enjoy the vacation that you left? 
Because sometimes we get so enamored with the things that we have to do, we limit the opportunity to enjoy what God has given for us to experience. My friends, I simply want to say to you today that failure is not an option, so just get ready to enjoy life. Failure is not an option, so get ready. Yes, there will be situations. Yes, there will be problems. Yes, there will be burdens. But my God will be with you every step of the way. And if you trust God like you say you do, and if you pray the way you say you're going to pray, and you believe the way you say you're going to believe, then test him and see if he won't show you how to bless him. When we become people who are only limited by what we see and think, we won't be the people that God needs for us to be. These disciples had come face to face with their limitations. Gosh, it must have been a wonderful time to experience Jesus coming by and then people just coming, just coming, just, just coming by. And if you've ever been to Galilee, you would know that that had to be a place where it was compact and people had to be sitting in any and every place, sort of like where you all are sitting now. You know, this is, I wonder if you ever had a Methodist moment where people sit it from the, back, from the back to the front instead of from the front to the back. I mean... But what the disciples saw was not what, what was happening. They were anticipating the crisis of what could happen. You see, they knew that the time of day was getting late. And the people were going to be hungry. Oh, and by the way, there were, were women and children there. And I don't know about you, but they used to tell me that the wonderful sounds of the church, the three wonderful sounds of the church are chairs in the aisles, children crying, and checks being ripped out of checkbooks. But, you know, sometimes the children would get to you sometimes. I don't know if you ever, I mean, and, I mean we've had children, and I used to tell my kids, I said, listen, we're going in the store, and there's going to be some rules that we have. One, don't ask me for anything. Two, you're not going to get anything. And three, because you're not going to get anything, because you're not going to ask me for anything, if you do ask for anything, we're going home immediately. Don't, don't. And they knew. They knew that it was going to be a crisis. So they weren't going to get ahead. These eight personality people were going to get, a, get ahead of the moment of Jesus. Jesus. We've been here a long time. Jesus. Wouldn't it be best to... Send these folk on home. Let them buy their own food. Let them feed their own families. Let's just get ahead of this, Jesus. Get ready to do the benediction and send them away. Now, if you look at the same scripture in Mark, it would even say that the people looked at their own resources and said, Jesus, we only have so much money. I'm not going to spend my money on these folk. You need to send them on back. But Jesus surprised them. Because with Jesus, failure is not an option. He says, no, 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 no. I beg to differ with you. You don't have to send them home. Don't dismiss these people. You, my disciples, you give them something to eat. Oh, my goodness. I can bet you their hearts began to beat. I began, they began to have a cold sweat. I know that they began to look and count and see what they had available, and I knew that they knew that they didn't have enough. They began to not think in the midst of abundance. They began to think in the midst of scarcity. They didn't think about what 
I have and what God has blessed me with and what opportunities I have, they began to think about what I don't have, what I haven't been able to accumulate, what I don't have in the midst of my life. My friends, when we come to worship, don't ever come here thinking of what you don't have. Come here thinking of what God is going to bless you with. Because the compassion and the grace and the love that God is going to give to you will go further than you ever experience. They begin to use words like this. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. The message says it this way. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fish. The NRSV says it this way. We have nothing here but these little small loaves and two fish. It's almost as if they took that word only and built a boundary around it. Sometimes we do that in our church by saying that we've never done it this way before. Have you ever heard that? Giving the attention to the obvious but never looking forward to God's preferred future. Just think about it this way from Scripture. Moses was a simple man with an unskilled tongue, but yet when he came into, into being with the creator God, he became a mighty liberator of his people. Think about it this way, that David was only a shepherd boy, but when he came in contact with the sustainer God, he became the future king of Israel. Think about it this way. That the woman washing Jesus' feet was only a sinner, but yet when she came into contact with the Redeemer God, she became a model for how we ought to worship and love. My friends, Jesus looks past our faults and failures and sees our need. Failure is not an option with him. So the question today is this. Where do you find yourself saying, not good enough? Not intelligent enough, not attractive enough, not slender or tall or strong enough. Where do you feel limited by your circumstances, your opportunities, your hurts and mistakes? Where do you feel limited? I want to let you know today that Jesus still feeds the multitude. And if he can feed the multitude, he can take care of you. But in order to do that, my friends, he has to get through to you. He's got to get through to all of us. He's got to get past our doubts. He has to get past our limitations. And he simply says to us, as he said to those disciples, bring me what you have. Did you hear it in the scripture? Bring me what you have. What do you have? Bring it to me. Five loaves, two fish. Bring it to me. He looked up to heaven. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it back to the people and the the residual effort in the midst of all of that was that the people found that they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. They had more leftover than what they brought to Jesus. And my friends, that's the message for you today. You have far more than you ever dreamed. You have far more than you can ever want or need. God has already put into being all that you need. You could bring your burdens, you could bring your problems, and God will always have an answer for you, but only if you bring all that you have. Bring your love, bring your compassion, bring your peace, bring yourselves, put yourself in the midst of it. You can't swim until you get into the water, and your problems can't be answered until you bring them to the altar. 
Jesus simply says, if you need me, just bring me what you got. Don't dress it up. Bring it. Bring your addictions. Bring your problems. Bring your broken relationships. Bring them. And let me see what I can do to it. Your missteps, your, miss, your mess-ups, your, your, your breakups, whatever it is that's got you all tangled up and tied up, it got you looking homely, tired, and ugly, bring them to him. And let him work with it. He just said, bring it to him. And let him lift it up to heaven. And let him bless it and give it back to you better than what you've ever designed or hoped for. Our friends, in this scripture, Jesus gives us all that we stand in need of. He tells us first because he tells us disciples, listen, you got to get rid of your excuses. It's all about priorities. I, I, I run into people who all just say, well, you know, I can't go to church. It just is not the right time. Uh, or, 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 you know, I don't have the right clothes. Or, or I, you know, those people, they'll look at you funny when you go up in those places. Well, I say you never have a problem going to the stadium. You know, you never, I mean, there's some, have you ever been to the, the football stadiums lately? There's a lot of dressed up people who look really interesting. They put on things that they couldn't put on in everyday life. I mean, they do stuff that they will not do in everyday life. It's all about priorities. But sometimes we make excuses for not being in God's place. But it's all about your priorities. I mean, yesterday, people woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I know they did because I did. And, and, and what they do is they put, they put their stuff in the car. They put tables and chairs and, and they, put, they put coolers. They put flats on their cars and, 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 and they put all kinds of junk in there. If they can't get it in the car, they put it on top of the car because I saw them. It's all about priorities and they all got on the road and they were happy and they were singing and they were shouting and they were speaking. And when they got to the place, they parked in a little bit of parking space. They didn't complain. And they took all of that stuff out and they didn't say, but this is my stuff, this is your stuff. They got out and they let everybody partake of it. And then they took out their grills and those grills hadn't been cleaned since the last time they saw them. And nobody asked to see the, see the chart on how clean they were. Nobody even asked the person if they had a culinary degree. They just put the food on the plate. It could have been raw, but they just ate it because they just loved it. It was all about priorities. And then they stood in the line. And they waited to go in. And they sat on cement pews. They didn't have a building program. They didn't do anything. They just sat there. They did not complain. The game could have gone long. There were some games that went into overtime. Did they get up and say, I had to get down to the, to the, to the restaurant before the Baptists get there? No, they didn't get up. <laughs> they just sat there and had more football. Give it more football. Give it all. But then Sunday comes. Well, it's too early. 
The seating's not good. You know, it's too cold and too hot in that place. The preacher preaches too long. I got to get down to the restaurant before the Baptists get down there. I can't be. My friends, we have to get rid of our excuses. If you want God to come in the midst of your situations in life, then what you have to do is that you have to lay yourself bare and say, Lord, I've tried all this stuff about myself. It's just not working. I got to this particular place. I'm not even embarrassed to say to you, Lord, come now, because I have just gotten to a place that I can't go. You've got to let go of your expenses. My dad said it this way. Your excuses would get you. He said it this way. If it's important to you, you will make a difference. If it's not important to you, you will make an excuse. Whatever you don't want to do, you will find any excuse not to do it. Now, friends, Jesus told these disciples, you feed the people. And then he said to them, bring me what you have. He did not let scarcity be the excuse for not blessing. And I want to say to you today, do not let scarcity or lack keep you from being who God needs for you to be. Do not let scarcity or lack keep you from having the compassion. Don't let a broken relationship continue. You know what you need to do. Allow God to come into it and piece your heart together that you may be able to go and do what you need to do. Sometimes God needs for us just to confess, I can't do it by myself any longer, Lord. Let me hand it over to you. Simply, we need to let go of the excuse. But also, we need to also let God know that we want transformed lives, not just changed lives. You know, it used to be an old cartoon, Hanna-Barber cartoons, when people really looked at cartoons. I mean, there was one about a chameleon. And I don't know if you remember, it's, you know, a chameleon changes colors on everything that they jumped on. It's, and of course, a cartoonist would take liberty with that. And so this cartoonist had, cartoonist had all kinds of, of, of cloth and, and purples and greens and yellows and golds and all kinds of colors. And this chameleon was just jumping from one to the other and was having fun just changing, changing, changing. And then they had a checkerboard square. You know that one that comes out at, at the end of the, uh, the, the races, that, that, little, that little black and white checkerboard flag? And when he got to that, he realized he couldn't change it to two colors at the same time. And he just went schizophrenic. My friends, we are into the transformation business, not the changing business. You could put on a different shirt, but you may be the same person. Now, sometimes people may think that they, they, they could change their lives just by, by, by going to a different town, but no. To be transformed is to be transformed from the inside out. It is to let you know that I got to lay myself bare to allow God to come in and to make a change. The transformation is knowing that I can do all things through Christ, not through me, but through Christ. 
The disciples were transformed because Jesus asked for them not to change, but to transform the thinking in their minds. What do you need transforming? What thing, what process, what place in the midst of your life doesn't simply need to be changed from one place to another, but it needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Is you have to see different. You have to experience different. You have to know different. You know, my wife and I used to look at, uh, we used to come to Augusta all the time and look over at the state line and say, I wonder what's happening over in that far country over there called, was that South, South Carolina? I said, I wonder one day we may go over there and see who lives over there. Does any people live, is it desert or something? I wonder what lives over there. And we got over here, now we come to the state line, look over to Augusta and say, I wonder what folk live over there. My friends, our minds are transformed because when we have the experiences that God gives us, it changes who we are and whose we are. But then finally, I want to leave you with this word. And it's simply this. Not only should we get rid of our excuses, not only should we be transformed, but we just simply need to say, Lord, like you, I will not allow failure to be an option in my life. You have to wake up every morning and say this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I will not allow failure to be an option in my life. Sometimes it just has to be explained to you in a way in which only God can explain. My wife and I have, a, have two older children. One of them is our son, Carlton. He's a 2002 graduate of the United States Naval Academy. We are very proud of him. He just got married. Couldn't find anybody in, in Georgia. Couldn't find anybody in Alabama. Couldn't find anybody in Michigan. Couldn't find anybody in, in, in Rhode Island. Had to come to South Carolina to find somebody. I just said, you know, I just don't, 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 don't know. But we're proud of that young man. But I remember that in 1998, he was a rising senior in high school, and he went to the senior orientation, and he came home to his mother and I and said, Dad, Mom, I've got great news. Every parent is buying their child a new car. <laughs> and I know that you all want to be the parents of the year. You're going to do the same for me. And, you know, we wanted to do one more thing for our children than what was done for us because I remember what my dad bought me. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> he told me to go how Jesus walked. I mean, <laughs> Jesus walked. He said, you take Jesus' road. And so we searched and we looked and we searched and we looked. We couldn't find anything new because at that time in our lives, our money didn't stretch that far. But we found him a nice little one owner. Blue Honda Civic, one owner, about 6,000 miles. My wife and I, we talk about this all the time. She's going to tell me when I get to the car. He said, it's about 10,000. I said, it's about six because it's my story. <laughs> but this is what it actually had. There was plastic still on the back seat. She had work orders on that, on that thing every month. She had the oil changed every month. She had, she had so many work orders, I didn't want to go through them. It didn't have all the bells and whistles. It didn't have power brakes, power steering, power seats, power windows. It didn't have the big rims, but it would get in from point A to point B. And we took pride 
because we didn't want failure on that Christmas morning. So we stayed up all night knowing that we were going to be anointed parents of the year. I still remember when he opened that door and his expressions on his face, when he pointed to that car and says, is this what you got me? I said, yes, sir. It's uh, one on a car. Don't have that many miles on it. Uh, it doesn't have power brakes, power steering, power seats, power windows. Doesn't have the big rims, but it'll get you from point A to point B. And he said, Dad, that's not what I want. I asked and you promised a new car. At least you could have given me mom's car. I said, son, that is, that's the car that has the power brakes, power steering, power seats, power windows, and the big rims on it. I said, son, I don't drive that car. He says, Dad, we better pray. I said, we do need to pray, son, because obviously we've come to a point of failure. And I know that failure is not an option. We prayed. We prayed, first of all, because I was a child of the 60s and 70s, and I would never have stood next to my dad and they said the same thing that he said to me. I would have probably been 30 miles away in a phone booth with a ticket out of town, hoping that he did not catch up with me. But I would have never said that. Standing next to him. I said, son, we got to pray. He says, dad, please pray. And I said, Lord, send us an answer. And you know, the Lord did answer that prayer. And my son said, dad, what did the Lord say? I said, he said, that's a yellow school bus that comes out in front of the house. He said further that that lady is going to open a door and invite you to come on and she's going to take you to school. And he sent further clarification and he said that that lady will return to that school, open the door, invite you to get back in and will bring you home and you will not get a drop of water on your head. He looked at the car. He looked at his mother. He looked at the car again. He looked at me and it said these words, Dad, why didn't you explain it that way before? That is a wonderful car. <laughs> One owner, then she changed the oil every month, doesn't have all the bells and whistles, don't have power brakes, power steering, power seats, power windows, don't have the big rims, but it would get me from point A to point B. Dad, had you explained it that way? So my friends, let me explain it. Simply this, with Christ, Failure is not an option. To those disciples, he said, no, you give the people something to eat. He said to the disciples, simply bring me what you have. Nothing more, nothing less. It is that which Jesus took and blessed Jesus didn't take what he didn't have. He took what they brought him, and he blessed it and gave it. And the people were blessed by it. I'm simply here to say to you, simply people here at Mount Horeb, 
that wherever you may be, whatever you may be thinking, whatever you may be going through, whatever situation may be happening in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. Just simply every morning that you awaken and you say and that you see the sun shining or, or the clouds overcoming, doesn't matter. You just simply say, Jesus, I'm here today. This is a day that you've made. And today, Lord, failure is not an option because I'm going to bring you everything I have. And I know that you will take my little and make much out of it. And at the end of the day, I will be better for having known you and your blessing. My friends, today, today is a day of new beginnings. Today, we can sing in the midst of our own hearts, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So for this day, my friends, be empowered, be encouraged, be inspired. Just know that whatever may come, you are not a failure. You are a conqueror. You are an encourager. You are empowered. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you. For the ability to be in a place with other believers who know in the midst of their own hearts and lives that you are not a failure. And because you are not a failure, neither are we. Bless us, Lord, as we go through this week. Wherever we put our hands and wherever our feet may trod, may your grace, your compassion, and your love encompass us, inspire us, and encourage us. In your name we pray. Amen.